Do you know how I know that Trudeau needs to shuffle his cabinet? It's very simple. Yesterday, his Veterans Affairs Minister, Seamus O'Regan, who was like at one time the host of a morning TV show, you might know it, CTV's Canada AM, which I'm sure was really uh, difficult being somebody that's in broadcasting myself. Um, He actually said yesterday to a room full of uh, veterans and civil servants that he can, you know, relate to how people feel when they leave the Canadian military. Uh, Here's how he actually said that. Many of you know I had a very difficult transition, leaving journalism, but more importantly, leading what I had for 15 years in broadcast media, which was an extremely structured life. Wow. Didn't have to worry about a thing. Nope. Except for maybe waking up for my shift, which was very early. Mm. I didn't have to worry about a whole heck of a lot. And when I left, it was a shock to my system. I suffered with addiction. Uh, I suffered with depression. I did not transition well. And I felt that I had lost purpose in my life. Now, I know enough about the military that I would never ever say that I have, you know, an idea of what it's like to go through transition serving and then becoming a veteran. But I got a peek. I got a peek into that window. And I know we need to make sure that supports are in place to help members through change. Wow, wow, wow. One of the worst and most offensive things about this for me is that his brother is a serving naval officer. It, to me, I mean, that is just ridiculous. You don't have to relate uh, to exactly how people feel for the, you know, how your clients feel when you're doing a job. What you have to do is you have to want to help and you have to listen to them. When you make it about you, it's no longer about them. To me, I just find this incredibly uh, offensive. And I actually, you know, I'm not from a military family, but I know people that are, and I just... Even if I wasn't, it's just so out to lunch. He needs a new job. He needs to shuffle to another post. Barry Westholm joins the show right now. He's a former master warrant officer and sergeant major for the Joint Personnel Support Unit. So, Barry, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I thought you're definitely the person that would be more qualified to speak to this than I would. When you heard what Seamus said, what did you think? Well, the first time I heard of it was uh, it was delivered to me by a uh, journalist that was sitting there listening to him, and he said, Barry, do you, what do you think of this? And I said, well, I, I don't really believe it. But then it came out that he actually did say that. It's pretty incredible, really, that, that he would do that. Right. Now, your job before you left the military um, was former Master Warrant Officer and Sergeant Major for the jo- Joint Personal Support Unit. What exactly is that? Well, the thing that the minister was talking about uh, the other day was the, the new revision of the Joint Personnel Support Unit. The Joint Personnel Support Unit was designed to uh, transition injured military members and their families uh, out of the uh, military and smoothly into civilian society. That, that was the intent, and it start, stood up, I think, in 2008. And why did you leave the military, if I can ask? Well, can I, if you don't mind, can I go through a quick timeline about transition? I would I love that. Okay, I'm going to go back a little way, so bear with me. It won't take that long. So the length of time we've had since World War I, and to learn how to transition people, is 100 years, over 100 years. The uh, numbers of Canadians who served in World War I, World War II, and Korea is over 1.8 million. So we've had a lot of practice, supposedly, to transition people. The combined time of World War I, World War II, and Korea 
is 13 years, and that's an important number. So flash up to Afghanistan. In 2001, Canada goes to war in Afghanistan. However, the Canadian forces overlooked the system to care for ill and injured people, people coming back and then to transition them into civilian society. 2008, seven years into the conflict, the Canadian Armed Forces realizes this oversight and tables a plan for a transitional organization, the one I belong to, the Joint Personnel Support Unit. From 2009 to 2011, the Joint Personnel Support Unit, or JPSU, is stood up with the Canadian Armed Forces' lowest priority level. That's level six out of six. And its minuscule staff, me included, became overburdened almost immediately. 2011, Canada ceases combat operations in Afghanistan. 2011 to 2015, the Canadian Armed Forces maintains the lowest priority level, level six, for the JPSU, despite gross inefficiencies in the mission, all the while publicly maintaining that there are no major issues with the JPSU, despite internal documents and external reports to the contrary. 2016, the Canadian Armed Forces amends some of the components of the JPSU to priority level two. However, the, the frontline staff remain at six. Now, 2018, the Canadian Armed Forces continues its restructures seven years after the end of Canada's participation in combat operations and 22 years after the beginning of the conflict in Afghanistan. Mm. So in summary, it took eight years from the beginning of the Afghanistan war of the Canadian forces to poorly address the casualties of the conflict, and it'll take another 12 years since the end for them to figure out its uh, transition plan for injured military families. And there we are. So that's the timeline. Yeah. Now, for me, around 2013, I became aware of the fact that the JPSU, as it was, was really just window dressing. It could not properly conduct its mission to transition people properly. And in my, uh, my area alone, I had three suicides. That's three of my mm -hmm. men committed suicide. And I couldn't say I had an idea what was going on within my unit lines. It was overwhelming. This is three of the people that are supposed to be helping other veterans tran uh, transition? Oh, no. I was the one who was supposed to be helping people transition. Okay. And three of the people that you were transitioning. Uh, committed suicide, yeah. So would you say that it was a problem of this being understaffed or a constant restructuring? Well, if you give it the lowest priority level, you're not going to get too much. Like I say, priority level six for a unit is basically you're, you're talking about a volleyball team or something like that. Certainly not a transitional organization tasked with transitioning injured and ill military members, some of them severely injured, along with their families. It was an impossible task given that priority level. Give, me, give us an idea for people that, you know, don't come from a military background and don't see people that have served for Canada. Give us an idea of, of what some of these injuries look like. Oh, um, well, multiple amputations, and again, they're not, they're not, they're not clean amputations. When a, when a body gets blown up, you know, uh, things are taken apart very violently. If you're near an explosion, you have to contend with, uh, you know, dust moving at uh, the, the speed of sound, literally, at the speed of sound and impacting your body. And some people will sweat that stuff out for years. Um, the sounds, of course, involved with a, an explosion will blow your eardrums out. Uh, and, of course, all the time this stuff's going on, a person involved in a conflict where that sort of uh, activity is taking place must keep a level head. They must concentrate on their mission, regardless of what's going on, and push through to make sure that whatever they have to do is done, despite the, uh, the, the surroundings. Not to mention the PTSD that they're dealing with. 
Well, then, well, that's normally where you get it from because it's a lot of things that are really surreal and Canadians, uh, you know, thank God they don't even have to really understand what these guys have to see, and girls. So how urgently do we, do veterans need help re-entering civilian life? And what are the challenges, the main challenges besides the physical and medical challenges that they're facing that uh, they need to try and overcome? Well, um, this goes back to World War One, and, and times have changed a little bit, and I was just talking about that with a friend. And back in uh, the time of World War One, World War Two, in Korea, there was a different society out there. There was lots of people that still went to church, and there was guys that came back from war that, that could go there and, and get, uh, you know, get their thing off their chest, get forgiveness, have that social support and family support. It wasn't as fast moving and sort of technical as it is today. Now, when these guys are coming back, they've got. A lot of them don't have church, they don't have that, don't have forgiveness, and they've got to wrestle with it. So the priority to put a transition organization where we can sort these guys out mentally and get them ready to go to civilian life it should be priority one, not priority six. And it should have been put in place decades ago. So Monday, uh, the Trudeau government announced a new transition system, and it focuses online training initially, and then there's another pilot program starting that, that deals more with integrating uh, personal system, um, uh, integration, sorry, an integrated system with a personnel system of transition. Uh, once again, there's a pilot program. What does that say to you about this government and how, um, how I guess, the level of importance they put on our veterans? Well, here's one of the things I've noticed about going to uh, Parliament. I've been there a few times is that the, uh, the uh, people in government really rely on the officers to tell them what's going on. And back in, I think as far back as 2009, our officers told them, senior officers, generals, that we would, we would track people that were medically released years after they got out to make sure everything was fine. And if things were uh, gone awry, we'd bring them back in and sort them out and get them set up. They've never done that. So they're not serious about anything that they're saying. What they're doing right now, I don't buy into it because they'd have another five years of a pilot program after uh, 10 years of this program that hasn't even reached its conclusion, none of that makes sense. The Canadian forces can take a group of people, outfit them, put them in a plane, and send them to Africa in a week. <laughs> and this is going on for decades. So you, you know that their, their, their minds are elsewhere. It's not in the uh, transition component at all. And this online, online training initiative, to me, seems overly simplistic. Oh, you've, you've got it. Well, you, the one you started off the, uh, this uh, component, or you would make a better Minister of Veterans Affairs, given you, you understand how you have to speak about you know, other people's experiences if you don't have them yourself. But, but you're right on the money. This is just like the reason I quit. It's window dressing. So what would you like to see done, Barry? Well, I know that everything that uh, needs to be done could be done and could be done very, very uh, economically. What you have to fight, though, is the, uh, the military mindset. For example... When we were releasing people, uh, when I was in the JPSU, we were releasing the people with not very serious injuries. For example, if, if you've got your knee blown out, okay, you do not meet the military standards. However, you're departing with a million dollars worth of training that, you know, you don't need a knee for. And we're, we're, we're kissing it goodbye out the door. What I was trying to do back then is mm-hmm. say, no, no, this person here has got all these specialized military qualifications that we we're, we're, we're just desperately needing. Let's keep this person in. They said, nope, doesn't meet the uh, standards. We've got to let that person go. So we've flushed out millions and millions of dollars of training, and we've let go irreplaceable experience. 
for a couple of lines in a document about standards. So they've got to open their, open their minds a little bit and say, well, geez, that wasn't really smart, and get those people back and put them in non-operational roles where they can free up other fully fit and, and healthy people to go on combat operations or UN operations. And it's, it's, you know what? It's that simple. Well, just the scenario that you just described, I mean, I, I could see how someone could leave and feel worthless. Well, it's also the fact that when you're leaving through a transitional organization that the Canadian Forces has told you is the best thing since sliced bread, and you get there and it's a complete disaster, and I was there, I was a sergeant major, and it was a complete disaster, you sort of look around and you wonder about, you know, these people are telling me the truth, Why, what's going on here? And then that sets a whole different sort of uh, doubt in your mind, and then you end up staggering out the, the front gate of the base, poorly uh, trained to transition back to civilian life, just rushed out, the door closes, you get your lump sum payment if you're injured, and have a nice day. And as I mentioned earlier, the Canadian forces who said they'd look after these guys when they were uh, released medically aren't. So it, it's, you're on your own. Terrible. In your opinion, do you think Veterans Affairs Minister uh, Seamus O'Regan should be shuffled to a new position? Yes. I'm going to leave it at that. Barry, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, thank you so much, and also thanks to you media guys, because without you, nobody would know really what's going on. They'd be looking at the, the, uh, these briefings and press releases from the government, but it's only the media that lets the truth get to the people, so thank you. Well, Barry, I'd like to say uh, thanks for that, but I am going to uh, avoid any of those accolades since that's the problem with Seamus O'Regan right now, taking credit for being overly important. So thank you so much, Barry. Uh, you're the real story, and I appreciate your time.